Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I'd like to begin with a prayer to the spouse of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. O glory be to the Father, and, and to the Son, and to the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit, as, as it, it was in the beginning, beginning is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Son, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. You're listening to Cajun Catholics. I'm your host, Todd Citron. I will introduce my co-host today, no stranger to the show, Mr. Calvin James. Welcome to the show, Calvin. Thank you for having me, Todd. And today's guest is a very special guest that uh, we we recorded a show uh, a year or two ago. Didn't get to publish it, but Mr. Jackie Combs from Brobridge, a great man. Welcome to the show, Jackie. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, Jackie, uh, you know, this was a long time coming for us to set this show back up for you, but uh, God has a, a plan and a purpose for our lives. So t- tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm, uh, I had a conversion through the Casillo movement uh, when I was 48 years old, and uh, which was 29 years ago. Uh, been involved with the Casillo movement ever since. Uh, still am now. Kind of in a retirement position. Uh, more or less of trying to advise the, the young ones coming up for the, the things to watch for because the uh, Satan uh, definitely doesn't want this to continue. Anything that we do for our Lord uh, that's got any merit to it, uh, Satan's going to be involved to try to block that. So uh, that's why I stay involved. My health is not as good as it used to be, but it's good enough to be able to uh, go and uh, help in the kitchen and uh, whenever there's a weekend going on. and. Uh, Try to be there for the younger ones. I can't imagine the Crescia Center without Jackie, and uh, I know he's done just so much for there, and it's a big part of his life. But I know you had a life before that too. Tell, tell us about your what you did in your occupation prior to that. Well, I was um, I was raised on a sugarcane farm, uh, started by my uh, dad and his brother, and uh, I wasn't able to go into farming right out of school, out of high school. Uh, I chose to. Uh, I was also involved with trucking because my grandfather had trucks. So that was my two passions, really, was uh, farming and trucking. So I bought my first 18 wheeler when I was 23, and I, uh, I trucked till I was, uh, I would say, uh, sometimes in my 30s. And uh, they took the quarters off of sugarcane, so I was able to go back to the farm. Uh, they had limits. You couldn't plant more than a certain amount of cane. And uh, when they took that off, I went back to the farm. Then I grew it from uh, 380 acres to uh, 1,250. Wow. And... I had nobody to pass it on to. Uh, my son had allergies so bad. So uh, by that time, it was uh, myself and my cousins. So I just turned it over to my cousins and actually went back to trucking when I was uh, right after I made Casillo, mm-hmm. 48 years old, and I trucked until I was 68. I know you have a beautiful family. And tell a little bit of a story of, of how you and your wife maybe met and uh, and how that plays into your spiritual life. Well, uh, I met my wife in high school. Uh, in fact, we're her and I, and I think one of the couples, the only two that married from the same class. Brobridge? Yeah, in Brobridge High yeah, School, yeah. yes, in 1963. So right out of high school, uh, we got married the next year, and then the next year we had a child, a daughter, the, Denise, and next year had another daughter, uh, Anita. And uh, I tell people, I finally found out what was causing that, and I kind of stopped. It. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of laughter there. Uh, yeah, then uh, five years later, my son was born. So that's my, I have three kids. Two girls and a boy. I have 11, 11 grandchildren and three great-grandchildren. Before I had a conversion, uh, I wasn't exactly leading uh, an exemplary life. I was a great provider. If 
Photoshop line has this uh, CD out that's the five P's of St. Joseph. And uh, if I were listening to it today, I, I wouldn't have recognized myself mm. back then, you know. But uh, yeah, so the Casilla was something that uh, my wife made it first. And uh, she probably did a lot of prayers and uh, caused me to drop down to my knees, you know, and uh, I finally answered the call of uh, changing my life. And uh, God just happened to use Casilla as the method or the mode that, uh, to help me to come back to the child of God that I was supposed to be. That's beautiful. You know, my mother's birthday was recently, and Mom started the women's Cursia in Prairie Run, Marcel Citron, and, and uh, I hope she had a little hand in maybe your wife making Cursia, and, you know, it's kind of the yeah. world comes full circle, you know. Uh, Calvin, jump in here. Yes, I was listening. I'm listening to Jackie, and uh, one thing that I want to say is that uh, he said he was into trucking. Then he, well, you know, then he went back to farming. Well, the Bible strictly talks about the harvest. You know, he said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So he came back to the uh, to farming because he knew that there was a great harvest out there. You know, I want to tell the audience out there. You know, I had to, uh, I sponsored a few people to Chrysia and it just so happened every one of the when we go they have a, a sponsor talk and uh, Jackie usually gives it and I tell you every time I've ever heard Jackie speak it reminded me of how you know and it's not in a bad way but how worthless that I was that I'm nothing I'm, I'm, I'm always secondary to everything else that's going on in my spiritual life and I want to thank him publicly for that right now and I want to tell you if you want to get your life straight I think you got your life straight. Just talk to Jackie, and I guarantee you that uh, you're going to find some uh, some creeks and some crevices Amen in your life. That. So I just want to say uh, how important it is that you are involved with uh, Chrysia, and I think it wouldn't be the same without you, whatever kind of input that you have. So with saying that, that scripture about the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few, we let's just continue to pray that God send more workers into the field so we can reap in that harvest, young and old. Yeah, and, and before you say anything, Jackie, I just want to say two thank you on behalf of all the Cursiestas because I, I, I echo what Calvin said. You know, you, you have so much humility and wisdom. Yes. And uh, and and to be amongst you is just it's a privilege to be in the same room with you. And uh, so I need to say that to you. So take us to your conversion. Tell us a little bit about that. I want to hear that story. Yeah. Well, listen to all these accolades that you're telling me right now. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy it wasn't uh, 30 years ago because uh, I'd leave here with uh, my head wouldn't pass through the door on the way out. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. But uh, it's all glory to God. Uh, I pray that every time that I've had the opportunity to uh, speak and to speak uh, in, in the presence of God, uh, man, that that's, uh, he put in front of me, if I've always done it with love. And, and that's one thing that uh, I've come to learn from the subject we're going to talk about tonight, uh, today is uh, sanctifying grace. You know, and it's uh, it's only because the uh, the grace is coming from God that you uh, anybody is able to do anything that has any worth. You know, so uh, I thank God for the things that I was able to do and uh, the things that He wants me to do now. It's going to be different. Uh, I can see it as I get older. Um, my health is not as good, but that's a, that doesn't stop my mouth from working. Yeah. If my wife hears this, she's going to say I talk too much, you know. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is your time to talk. <laughs> right. This is your time. This is my time, yes. Yeah. But, yeah, going back to my conversion, uh, I uh, I fell in the trap of uh, the, my peers around me, my friends, and in uh, farming. And it's uh, it was an environment where uh, you work hard, get up early in the morning, work hard. And then because you work hard, you figure that you can uh, you can uh, indulge in things, you know. And one of the things I happened to indulge in was drinking, you know, so... I chest every morning, you know, make sure it was full, and uh, 
every one of my friends that I would meet, the majority of them, uh, if I didn't have my ice chest, they had theirs, you know, and uh, it was just a casual thing, you know, that you meet one and might be running to a field next to him and uh, they call that uh, dark 30. <laughs> At dark 30, you know, uh, you kind of had a rough day, so we're going to drink a beer, right? Yeah, let's drink a beer, right? Yeah, we drink a beer and uh, that's all good and dandy, but then we drink another and then the uh, sun goes down, mosquito starts biting you and, uh, well, we all go over to uh, Lil's on the Bayou Tesh over there. I said, there won't be no mosquitoes. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, which was my aunt, which was right across the street from my house. So you have justification after a while, you know. It's, uh, uh, and it just got, it really got out of hand, you know. I was just drinking away too much and uh, staying away from the house. But uh, my wife uh, had a conversion first and uh, uh, she went to Cassia and then uh, she, she learned about, uh, we have something Cassia called Palanca, which is doing something extra while you're praying for a specific reason, you know, and uh, apparently she learned about that, and uh, it took about a year for her to get me down to my knees, you know. You know, Jesus said in Scripture, Satami takes fasting and praying. Yeah. And uh, I really think that's what happened to me, you know. Uh, I broke down about a year later, and I asked that, uh, can you bring me to that thing? I didn't even know what, the, <laughs> I didn't even go to the Mass. Uh, kind of shame to say that now, but it's just a, a lack of knowledge and a lack of understanding, you know. But uh, I did go, and uh, it affected me, uh, very much to the fact that it, uh, I knew I wasn't a child of God I was created to be. And I knew that as a man, I wasn't taking my role as the spiritual head of my family, which was my vocation. And uh, by uh, having that and uh, being involved with uh, Father Fry, uh, rest his soul, uh, I came in contact with him and he was my mentor for about 10 to 12 years before he died. All of those things had a lot to do with uh, my formation, you know, uh, and the way I think, the way I think now, you know. Uh, Father Fry uh, showed me the cross of obedience. You would call Father Fry, or he called you, and he'd tell you what he wanted, and he hung up on you. <laughs> he didn't give you a chance to look and uh, respond. No, Father, I can't do that now. There's nothing, nothing like that. You know, you just had to you had to step forward. You know, and uh, it showed me obedience. And then uh, the Holy Spirit uh, sent us uh, Father Ted Broussard uh, to be the spiritual director of Cassie, who's been there the longest. He's been there 17 years, so I've been with him. 17 years, and then uh, I shared with him uh, a couple of years ago, uh, he showed me the cross, the real cross. He beat me up with the cross. <laughs> but it caused me to grow in humility. You know, uh, it, I can't explain it, but it was such a beautiful thing, you know. Yeah. And in fact, I, I shared that with him uh, a couple of years ago that uh, thanked him, you know, for uh, helping me grow in humility, you know. To be hum to gain humility, you gotta be humiliated. Uh, mm -hmm. he, he really helped me with that, it was beautiful. And that's part of sanctifying grace. Huh? Exactly. exactly. I want to remind our listeners, you're listening to Cajun Catholics, and today's guest is Mr. Jackie Combs from Brobridge. Uh, he's a parishioner at St. Bernard Parish, but also just a fixture at the Cursia Center, a professor, a longtime professor, and uh, and, and now he's he's teaching the young professors how to do their job and uh, and just uh, just a, a, such a blessing to Acadia. And when I think of Cajun Catholics, he would be the first person that comes into my mind, absolutely. So, uh, you know, Jackie, what what are you? Two, I guess two questions. One, what is it about Cursia that was so special that you know described to someone who maybe haven't hasn't been there? And then also, what what are Cajun Catholics when you hear that? What does that mean to you? Well, a lot of times when people talk about Cursia, their first thing is it's a, well, it's a big secret. You can't find out anything about it, and uh, in a sense, it's not true because uh, what we're talking about is in a spiritual experience. So nobody nobody decides makes an, a, a, a discerned opinion to go. Uh, discernment to make a casilla, nobody can tell you what you're going to experience. We all go at different levels. 
Uh, and y'all heard my story how I was drinking too much. You may have somebody that goes that's a, a deacon, uh, somebody that's been going to church and never even missed. But God has something for him to take him further. Uh, by further, I mean actually closer. Yeah. Closer right. to himself, right. you know. Uh, but further from his vices. And, 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 and uh, it's a jam-packed uh, weekend. Uh, it's not a retreat. It's really a methodology that we give people to uh, learn how to sustain their spirituality. That's what it's all about. And uh, it's up to you after that to take what you've learned. You get tools. We call them tools. And uh, you can take it any di- different direction that you want to, but always closer and closer to Jesus Christ. But uh, I think the main thrust of it is for men. Uh, men have forgotten their role as a spiritual head. And uh, it's mainly, uh, it was started in Spain uh, for men to come forward and take their role as a spiritual head of the family. Uh, starting with yourself, and then your family, and then spreading out to your, uh, your environment so that you're gonna make a difference uh, in our society. And I truly believe that Casillo was started 60-some years ago for what we're in right now in our society. Yeah. We need men to step forward. And that's, uh, that's the only thing that's gonna change is for us as, as men, take our role boldly, but with love, never with harsh words. Love is the only thing that works, and that's what Jesus came to show us, you know. One thing I wanna say about uh, my Casilla is, I thought that uh, my prayer life was, uh, that I had it going on in my prayer life, but that's what I found out. One of the greatest things I found out at Casilla is that I needed to uh, change my prayer life, and that has been tremendous for me ever since. I've become a prayer warrior, and I know that the Holy Spirit is uh, guiding me in this because a lot of people come to me for prayer and rely on me for prayer. After Chrysia, I never had to go out as much. I drew people. God allowed me to draw people to me, and that's the biggest change I've seen after going to Chrysia. So I wanted to say that because Jackie is correct with saying that there's something different for everybody. You just have to go and discover what it is for you as an individual. Yeah, I think I think like even the youth, like I'm so proud of the Cajun Catholics that are that and the youth today. And, and and I know we have good and bad, but but the majority of of what I see are amazing kids, and I'll call them kids anywhere from you know 30 on down. And these kids are so advanced, and like my son-in-law Brandon, you know, they they read the Bible, they read books, that they, they know they know their they know the Catholicism, and they and they practice it, and they're strong in confession. And so when I invited him to Garcia, <clears throat> you know, he had this maybe persona of hey, you know, what maybe and didn't really have this attitude, but I know that it's like for me, I'm like concerned. What is he going to get out of it? He's already a, a really good Catholic. And then after making Chrysia, he you know, he came to me and he said, well, now I understand your whole life. I understand all that you do in your life. I, I see it. And, and, and I think it's a, a complete different, <clears throat> it's, a, it's a walk with the Holy Spirit, you know. I think that we all can be academic Catholics. That's one thing. But I would say for me, like, Chrysia is a feel. It's, you, you know, you've met someone and they've touched you deeply and my life was never the same for me. Yeah, it's a... Uh... It's the uh, same thing happened to me, and uh, I tell people it affected me so much I never left. Yeah. You know, I've been there 20, 29 years, uh, actually 30 years in uh, next April. I want to hear your take on a Cajun Catholic, because you are... Uh, uh, he's the card carrying. That's right. He, he's, he's the unofficial, uh, you know, mayor of the Cajun Catholic. <laughs> so, right. yeah. yeah. What do you think of when you think of Cajun Catholic? Well, uh, uh, 
I know when I'm going to listen to myself on this, uh, <laughs> this on this recording, I'm going to wonder if it's Calvin that's talking on me. You know, uh, <laughs> I uh, first time I heard myself on the recording, I asked my wife, well, "Who in the heck is that?" You know, uh, but I've had ex- experience by uh, going to different places and seminars. I went to a soul seminar when I was farming, and uh, I was with a bunch of Amish people in uh, in uh, Fairmont, Minnesota, and a question was asked, and when I answered the question, everybody turned around because <laughs> they just uh, they didn't know if I was talking uh, Chinese or uh, <laughs> something actually, you know. So, uh, yeah, be, being a Cajun, uh, I have the opportunity to speak French every day because I got uh, a, a man, a gentleman that I truck with for 20-some years. Uh, he speaks French all the time. I got an uncle uh, who's 83, and he always talked to me in French, so we still talk in French, and... I have the opportunity to, to, to continue uh, practicing my Cajun, you know, so I'm sure it affects a lot on the... On and the, look, uh, I think that's what, what makes Acadiana so special, and I can't speak French. Uh, but, you know, to be able to pray to, to God in that language, that native language, I think is really special. Is there a prayer or something you could you could say to our audience in French that, that you... Uh, well, that uh, uh, every day when I say my rosary, uh, the second and fourth decade is always in French. You know, so I know I know the rosary in French. And, okay. Uh, so I, uh, that's the only prayers that uh, I do pray in French. <clears throat> give us something in French. All right, I'm gonna give you the Hail Mary. Good deal. Let's do it. Je vous salue Marie, pleine de grâce. Le Seigneur est avec vous. Vous êtes bénie en toutes les femmes. Et Jésus, le fruit de votre est béni. Sainte Marie, Mère de Dieu, priez pour nous, pauvres pécheurs, maintenant à l'heure de notre mort. Ainsi soit-il. That's awesome. <clears throat> that's so special. Uh, I share. Can I share a little thing? Yeah. Here? My great grandfather, the story came down to us, and uh, uh, every night before they go to bed, him and my great grandmother would say the rosary. And uh, one night uh, he gets there, he's told us, and he starts saying, Sienkity, 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 Sienkity. My grandmother said, Man, What's wrong with you? He said, Man, I'm tired. I want to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, was, uh, glory be to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, we lost a lot of that, you know, as family. Uh, it was. Uh, I think it was more important back then because uh, I think because of the suffering they went through, uh, yeah. it was more important. And uh, uh, if you look back in the Old Testament when the Israelites got prosperous, they started worshiping idols. Uh, same thing happened in America. We got prosperous and uh, we started worshiping idols. Yeah. And we have to uh, we have to set examples as men, especially for uh, something that the, the youth can uh, see physically. Uh, it's not taking a Bible and going to beat my grandchildren with it. It's how do I treat them? You know, it's my action. How do I speak to them? And uh, that's, that's, I think, is the most important thing as a, a spiritual grandfather, father and grandfather. Yeah, so <clears throat> someone mentioned to me, I'm 56 years old, and they're like, hey, hey, you're in the fourth quarter of your life. And I'm like, hey, that's depressing. Thank you so much. Uh, but I guess I'll ask you the question, Jackie, as we move into the fourth quarter of our lives, you know, what, what do you think, uh, what do you want your legacy to be uh, when people look back and say, you know, who is Jackie Combs? Well, I'm always telling my kids and my grandkids, you better enjoy me while you can. I ain't long for this world. <laughs> well, my oldest daughter says, uh, well, Dad, you need to quit invoking death. I said, I'm not invoking death. I started that when I was about 70. I said, I don't have another 70. That's, <laughs> that's really what I mean, you know. And uh, I told my son, uh, in fact, I told him to him last week, uh, when I die and they come to Pellerin's funeral home, I want you to share with the people my father had fun in his life. 
Nice. God wants us to enjoy our life that we're living. Every day. And uh, right now, uh, I'd say I'm retired from the Casilla movement. I just can't uh, work the Casillas. But uh, I'm not going to walk around with a long face. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Every morning, thank you, Lord. Day by day, he's reducing me. I had way too much pride in my life. And I, I, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. I'm being reduced every day. I'm walking with a cane and, you know. T tell us some of the things that you enjoy. I enjoy people. I don't want to say that that's the most enjoyment I have is people. Uh, I never realized as a young man that uh, as an elderly man as I can get, I am now 77, that uh, people that are not even kids that are not even related to, and they'll run up to me and, uh, for example, as a hacienda, Bob Jack, Bob Jack, Bob Jack, hollering and screaming. I turn around, this young little girl running, about 12, 13 years old, wrap herself around me, and I always grab him by the face and say, let me see that little face. <laughs> oh, man, that's you, my baby. Look how beautiful you are. So when she leaves, the hacienda, you know, it's by name. Granddaughter? No, not related at all. No relation at all. Good. It's just a friend of mine. Wow. You know, so I take that, uh, that really uplifts me, that... Uh, Apparently, she's seen something that I don't even know about, which uh, I, I don't need to know. Mm -hmm. I think I know what that is, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's well, the I Holy think we're wearing that Holy Spirit. Right. It might go back to the subject we're supposed to be talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Sanctifying grace, yes. Yeah, so he, he, he turned me on to several books that, that I've read, uh, The Soul of the Apostolate and uh, the other one about grace you had given me. And so The Glories of Divine Grace, there it is right in front of me. So I know you're going to be talking about that tonight. And yes. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. Um, I was blessed that uh, I first made Casilla. I, uh, we have a bookstore at Casilla, and I went in it, and this book jumped out at me. I didn't know what it was. I bought it. And uh, about two weeks later, I went to Father Fry for something and asked him a question, and I had the book with me. And he saw it, and he says, uh, that's a very good book. He said, do you, you understand it? My father, I just started reading it. He said, keep it at your bedside. So what he was telling me, it's not a book that you're going to read and get rid of it. You're going to be always going back to it. And uh, if you go through it, it's probably highlighted in about four different colors. And uh, that means I probably went through it four times. But if you find any place in there that's not highlighted, I guarantee you can find you another color. Because <laughs> there's nothing that you can skip in this book, you know. Yeah, it's the glories of divine grace, and it was written by Matthias, Matthias. Sheben. Sheben. Okay. And looked like a Jewish though. Yeah. He was German. He was a German uh, monk. What he was in uh, 1885, and he wrote the book, and uh, it's uh, it just a wealth. Starting off in the beginning, uh, the definition of sanctifying grace. Uh, the reason it became my uh, my my pet thing. I call that my pet subject. Is uh, I dare say, if you go in front of any Catholic church on any given Sunday, ask everyone who's coming out, what is sanctifying grace? I would be surprised if you get 10 people that can tell you what it is. And I think it's a ploy of the evil one. Uh, he doesn't want us to know what sanctifying grace is. And sanctifying grace simply is the life of God within us. Simple, simple. How do you get it? You get it through the sacraments. God loves us so much, the first sacrament we're gonna get where sanctifying grace is going to fill your soul and leave an indelible mark on it is baptism. He loves us so much that in emergency, 
Anybody can baptize. You have to have the form and manner. I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and pour water each time. And uh, that's when sanctifying grace comes in the soul. You become a child of God. The Trinity is dwelling in you. Now, how long does that last? The first mortal sin that you commit when you choose to walk away from God in your choices, no more sanctifying grace. If you die in that state, there's only one place that you can go. And God's not going to send you. You chose that. And he can't do nothing about it. And Father Fry told me, I can't put an ounce of sanctifying grace into somebody that's already dead. So our goal is to grow in that sanctifying grace. Through the sacraments, right? So how do I get back in sanctifying grace after baptism and I sin? Confession. I have to have a priest and a persona Christ in the place of Jesus Christ. Humble yourself and go and tell, me, tell him the things that you've done. And firm amendment not to do it again, you know. Next one we're going to encounter is probably confirmation. When that is so important, the bishop comes himself or he sends a, a representative in his place. Then you get anointed again with the, the, you get anointed with the oils. So every sacrament has a form and a manner. The form is the, the bishop doing the cross on your forehead and your, I think he hands too. I think so, yeah. I haven't been in a while to, to form mm -hmm. But uh, again, uh, sanctifying grace is increased into your soul. Then we go to Holy Communion, which is the source, set and summit of our faith. Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Now, we have a crisis in our church because we only got 25% of Catholics in America going to church. And only 40% out of 25% truly believe it's him. So that's a crisis. And uh, the reason that they don't understand, the reason that we don't go to confession is we don't understand sanctifying grace. Uh, it's so important to grow in sanctifying grace. Next uh, sacrament you probably got to encounter is marriage. God loves us again so much, you don't need a priest to be married. The deacon can be there. He's there as a witness. Now, the fulfillment of the sacrament, when you leave that church, you're not married. The consummation of that sacrament doesn't happen until the one flesh union, when you and your wife uh, consummate that marriage in a one flesh union. And uh, that being said, I found out only about a year ago that every time that you and your wife are not in mortal sin and you consummate in your marriage, one flesh union, God is pouring sanctifying grace into your soul. He's making you holy. I hear some people say that the Catholic Church is against sex. No, I say the Catholic Church elevates sex mm -hmm. to the highest level that you can imagine. And I truly believe that if married people, young married people get married new, the value of sanctifying grace, there'd be less divorces. So that way they would live the sacrament and uh, not choose for something to come in. And, uh, so much stuff. Jackie, we run out of time. I tell you what, that is just beautiful, um, loving, loving the conversation. And, uh, and, and we definitely, we, we, we recorded the first time for Mr. Jackie, and it didn't work. But this time it was worth it because uh, it's just beautiful, a lesson in Catholicism. And I love you, man. And I wasn't there. Go so. ahead. One more little snippet. Uh, you can grow in sanctifying grace. The more that you're going to stay in, uh, wrapped into the sacraments, and then the seven capital sins in your life are going to start dwindling away. Those vices are going to be turned into virtues. Virtues, you start living the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which has been dormant if you haven't been living in sanctifying grace. And then the Beatitudes will just come automatically.
Beautiful. So uh, that is the the secret to becoming. There it is. You got the blueprint. Follow it. Matthew five forty eight describes sanctifying grace completely. It says, "Be holy, like your heavenly Father is holy." And that kind of sums it up, you know. Thank you guys for being here today. It's been a blessing to me always in my life. And know that you'll be in my prayers and I ask for yours. Sir. All right, Mr. Jackie. Bless you're listening to Cajun Catholics with Jackie Combs. We always uh, challenge you to engage the Cajun Catholic in you. Until next time, God bless. God bless. God bless you.